Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Simone Riscala, and you are listening to the Endow Podcast, a conversation not just about the feminine genius in general, but about cultivating your particular feminine genius through the Catholic intellectual tradition and intentional community. Created for Holiness, the Endow High School Series Book 3, Chapter 1, A Universal Call to Holiness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Breathe into me, Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may be holy. Move in me, Holy Spirit, that my work, too, may be holy. Attract my heart, Holy Spirit, that I may love only what is holy. Strengthen me, Holy Spirit, that I may defend all that is holy. Protect me, Holy Spirit, that I may always be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Holiness as a daily mission. We are frequently, a quote from Pope, from Pope Francis, Gaudete et Exultate. We are frequently tempted to think that holiness is only for those who can withdraw from ordinary affairs to spend much time in prayer. That is not the case. We are all called to be holy by living our lives with love and by bearing witness in everything we do, wherever we find ourselves. Are you called to the consecrated life? Be holy by living out your commitment with joy. Are you married? Be holy by loving and caring for your husband or wife, as Christ does for the church. Do you work for a living? Be holy by laboring with integrity and skill in the service of your brothers and sisters. Are you a parent or grandparent? Be holy by patiently teaching the little ones how to follow Jesus. Are you in a position of authority? Be holy by working for the common good and renouncing personal gain. End quote. Holiness. Most of the time we cringe a little at the word. It seems like an unrealistic ideal, a word reserved for saints or priests and religious. Holiness sounds too different, too lofty, and too hard for a normal person. If we start to question whether that's true, it quickly follows that we begin to ask big picture questions about what matters in life. In our culture, we don't often want to deal with the hard questions. We spend our lives absorbed by the daily rush of running from one task to the next. We don't often stop to ask, who am I? Or how did I get here? Or what will happen to me when I die? Holiness, therefore, feels like a far off phenomenon, just like the whole idea of searching for answers to the questions, to questions like these. Usually the farthest we get is thinking about big picture career decisions, but is what we become as important as who we become? As Catholics, we have a large and intricate framework to help us think about these questions and about where our deepest identity lies. The church's sacramental life provides an extremely rich context, and the saints give us real examples. At baptism, for example, we are given a mission and take up a vow. Quote, the God of power and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has freed you from sin given you a new birth by water and the Holy Spirit, and welcomed you into his holy people. He now anoints you with the chrism of salvation. As Christ was anointed priest, prophet, and king, so may you live always as a member of his body, sharing everlasting life. End quote. 
At our baptism, we are given a share in all that Jesus came down to earth to offer humankind. We are anointed as holy, marked for his work. This has always been the case, but especially since the Second Vatican Council from 1962 to 1965, we find official writings about how important it is for all of us to really hear and live our baptismal call. For example, in Lumen Gentium, one of the documents produced by the council, we read, quote, all the faithful, whatever their condition or state, are called by the Lord, each in his own way, to that perfect holiness whereby the Father himself is perfect, end quote. Priests and religious have a particular vocation, which is undoubtedly important, but God has given each of his children a unique path towards his love. Not a single one of us is more or less called to enter into that divine love. In this study, we'll break down the ways in which seeking after holiness is very much a task for the here and now. Already in the past two studies, we've talked a lot about making big and small choices to follow God and imitate Christ. We've thought about the meaning of beauty and love and the ways that both of those can lead us to a closer relationship with Jesus. We might picture beauty, love, and holiness as similarly lofty concepts to wrestle with. Here we will focus on fleshing out an idea of vocation that brings all of them together. Like love and beauty, the pursuit of holiness is wrapped up in our day-in, day-out decisions to choose the good of the other. It is one piece of the big-picture puzzle that we're all trying to understand as Christians. What is holiness? Quote, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Since it is written, you quote, you shall be holy for I am holy, end quote, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. What does it mean to be holy? If every single one of us is called to be holy, then it must be attainable in ordinary life, since most of us will end up as mothers, sisters, and friends, rather than as missionaries or religious sisters. <clears throat> in some ways, the answer is obvious. To be holy means to give ourselves to Christ. But what will that gift look like? Our earlier study on love started to break open that question by looking at how love plays out in our daily lives, gift love in particular. But so much of what holiness will look like for you or me is rooted in the very personal and individual details of our lives. And so, it is given to each of us to pray, to talk to God about our lives, asking him to help us to see what vocation is meant for us, and asking that our eyes and hearts are open to the steps we should take to carry it out. In many ways, a vocation can be thought of as a particular path. We walk along, perhaps thinking about where our path is leading, or perhaps not so much. And at some point, God asks us to make a turn and commit to following a specific path to him. In focusing our eyes on the destination God has illuminated, we can discover things about ourselves, about God's love, and about what holiness looks like. The specific road will be as unique as each individual, but the process of gradually coming to clarity, of falling and walking again on this road towards God, 
will follow a pattern that is common to our human experience. We see these patterns in our stories, in the stories of scripture and of the saints' lives, in the story of salvation history, in narratives of a million kinds from throughout human history. It is our universal human story to seek God amid the messiness of life. As Catholics, we think of this vocation to follow him also in terms of the sacraments that give expression to the promises and the purposes we have chosen. The sacraments help frame our story. They give them direction, both in the way they clarify our end destination and the way they give us deep roots for grounding and growth. Three of them in particular are relevant to this kind of pivotal formation, baptism, matrimony, and holy orders undertaken by priests. Though not a formal sacrament, the vows to religious life undertaken by both religious sisters and brothers can be seen as a deepening of the sacrament of baptism. Most of the saints who are formally recognized, though there are countless others whose names we will never know in this life, have taken these paths as their own road to holiness. We will look at each one in detail in subsequent chapters. Bringing it home. As young people, we have a thirst and a dream for greatness. While many of the saints' biographies can seem a bit intimidating, we also have the hope and dream of just maybe being capable of that kind of heroic life. Pope St. John Paul II knew this. For this reason, he started up World Youth Day to help the young people of the world realize their role in renewing the church. He captured this idea at World Youth Day in Rome in 2000 when he said, quote, it is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your life, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be ground down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society, making the world more human and more fraternal. In saying yes to, to Christ, you say yes to all your noblest ideals, end quote. The world tells us that we are not enough. We hear it so often. We aren't smart enough or pretty enough or outgoing enough or old enough to accomplish our goals. Sometimes we react by compromising or settling for less. Instead, Christ comes to tell us that we are enough, that he has given us the desire to do good and to become great wherever he is leading. We have only to say yes to allow him to make us his, and he will make us saints. He planted our aspirations in us for a reason, and the enthusiasm and drive we feel to go out and get them is from God. Discussion questions. One, how would you explain greatness? What are the qualities that make someone great? Name some people you personally know who are great. Two. Reread John Paul II's address at World Youth Day. What part most stuck out to you? What do you think it means to make the world more human? Three, what does it mean to say yes to Jesus? What does this look like in daily life? Quote, the laity fulfill this mission of the church in the world, especially by conforming their lives to their faith so that they become the light of the world 
as well as by practicing honesty in all their dealings, so that they attract all to the love of the true and the good, and finally to the church and to Christ. Another requisite for the accomplishment of their task is a full consciousness of their role in building up society, whereby they strive to perform their domestic, social, and professional duties with such Christian generosity that their manner of acting should gradually penetrate the whole world of life and labor, end quote, from Vatican Council II. Section two, two young and powerful models of faith. Being young doesn't mean being irresponsible or unserious. Two examples of amazing fervor in faith are those of St. Therese of Lisieux, whose parents we talked about in book one of this series, and blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. They both died at the age of 24, but before they went to be with him, they did so much to show us what faith can look like when we truly fall in love with Jesus. St. Therese and her little way. Therese Martin, 1873 to 1897, felt called at a young age to become a nun. At first, she dreamed of doing missionary work, I would be, quote, I would be a light unto souls. I would travel to every land to preach your name, O my beloved. I would spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, even to the most distant isles, she wrote, end quote. But she soon realized that God was not calling her to go out into the world that way. Instead, she committed herself to living out holiness right where she was, at the small convent in rural France that she entered at the age of 15. Her superiors asked her to write about her life and spiritual journey. In her diary, she recorded a profound understanding of what she called a, quote, little way to heaven. As she put it, she realized that her vocation is love. And from this call, she transformed the church. In the same diary, she described her spiritual journey and how she realized her own littleness. From an early age, she learned she had to depend upon God for everything from controlling her emotions to discerning her path in life. She fought to do his will in all things, slowly conquering her weaknesses through little acts done with love. Because of this diary, she was named a doctor of the church. Though she didn't write academic works, her diary contained such profound insights into living a Christian life that the church named her one of its official teachers. Her teaching was a precursor to Vatican II, helping the church fathers to proclaim that the call to holiness and love pertains to everyone, not just those in official church positions. St. Therese helped many to see that holiness isn't a state of life that we achieve once and for all. Even a nun struggles to truly love the people around her. Rather, holiness is about doing, doing God's will in all things. For this reason, holiness and mission go hand in hand. We cannot talk about a person's holiness without talking about how they act. Notice that it is how one acts, not what one does that defines holiness. St. Therese's insight was that even the most ordinary acts, the most ordinary life can lead to holiness. 
Even though she lived out her short days in that small convent, today she is aptly named a patroness of mission work. Quote from St. Therese of Lisieux. Beside myself with joy, I cried out, Oh, Jesus, my love, at last I have found my vocation. My vocation is love. Yes, I have found my place in the bosom of the church. And this place, oh my God, you have given yourself, you have yourself given to me in the heart of the church, my mother, I will be love. Thus, I shall be all things. Thus will my dream be realized, end quote. Blessed Pier Giorgio Fersati, the joyful mountain climber. Quote from Pier Giorgio Fersati, you ask me whether I am in good spirits. How could I not be so? As long as faith gives me strength, I will always be joyful. Sadness ought to be banished from Catholic souls. The purpose for which we have been created shows us the path. Even if strewn with many thorns, it is not a sad path. It is joyful even in the face of sorrow, end quote. Few people exemplify the idea of a joyful Catholic better than a young man named Pier Giorgio Fersati. Born in Turin, Italy in 1906, Pier Giorgio was the first of two children. His sister, Luciana, was born a little over a year later. His parents were influential people in Turin. His father owned a popular daily newspaper, while his mother was a successful artist. Pier Giorgio's father was also active in politics, at one point serving in the Italian Senate and as ambassador to Germany. Pier Giorgio's father was agnostic, and his mother only superficially Catholic. But they sent their children to Catholic schools because of the quality of the education. Their marriage was often difficult and punctuated by fighting. Pier and Luciana formed a strong relationship through their childhood, drawing close together in the face of their parents' rocky relationship. Though their parents weren't very religious, Pier Giorgio was drawn to the church from a young age, led by the priests at his Jesuit grammar school and by a natural love for others. He began helping the poor that came to his parents' door, providing food from their kitchen or giving his shoes to a child who had none. Pier Giorgio became more and more active in his faith as he gained independence. He joined various church groups and helped the poor through groups like the St. Vincent de Paul Society. He also obtained special permission to receive the Eucharist daily, a rarity at that time. Pier Giorgio looked for small opportunities to practice his faith, often giving away his bus money and running home instead of coming home with us, instead of coming home without a coat because he had given his, his away. When his father offered him a car or a large fund for his high school graduation present, he chose the money so he could give it to the poor. After graduating from high school, Pier Giorgio enrolled in a university in Turin, majoring in mining engineering so he could, quote, serve Christ better among the miners, end quote. He appeared to live a very active, normal college life. He was involved in political groups, advocating with Catholic action to fight for conditions and treatment of workers along the lines of Catholic social teaching. Though most of his political fights were verbal, he did also manage to get into street brawls 
with members of the fascist party. He loved all kinds of sports and activities. He rode bikes and horses and enjoyed swimming and hiking, but his true love was mountain climbing. In pursuit of these activities, an informal group of friends formed. Pier Giorgio nicknamed the group the Tipiloshi, or shady characters, even writing a constitution for them, full of inside jokes and puns. <clears throat> this group of friends loved practical jokes, visiting theaters and museums, and sharing their faith, always looking for opportunities to enjoy life and grow closer to Christ. Pier Giorgio was known for short sheeting his friends' beds and for organizing mountain climbing expeditions, which he saw as a way to grow in faith and to share that faith with his friends. On a picture of himself climbing, he once wrote, Verso the Alto, to the heights, expressing his view of mountain climbing as a way to grow closer to God. Pier Giorgio lived a very normal, if busy, college life. He continued to visit the sick and care for the poor while studying and hanging out with his friends. Though studying sometimes took the back burner, Pier Giorgio was close to completing his degree when he started to suffer symptoms of polio. At the same time, his grandmother also was very ill and close to dying. Not wanting to take attention away from her, Pier Giorgio didn't tell anyone of his symptoms until it was too late. His last written words were about someone else's care, instructions for a friend to bring medication to an old man who couldn't afford it on his own. After a week of especially intense pain, Pier Giorgio died at the age of 24. At his funeral, his parents expected a large crowd of politi political dignitaries, business colleagues, and friends. They were shocked when a crowd of thousands of poor people lined the streets outside of the church, each with a story of how Pier Giorgio had helped them. Even in his short time on earth, Pier Giorgio had managed to touch all of their lives, bringing comfort and joy to each one. Discussion questions. One, what are a few little ways you can imitate Therese's example of serving God in your daily life? Number two, what do you think attracted people to Pier Giorgio? Why did so many people come to his funeral? Number three, how do both Therese and Pier Giorgio show a path to holiness that applies to everyone and not just to those who are seeking greatness? What unites them in their sanctity? Bringing it home, quote, in God's marvelous plan, divine providence often uses the tiniest twigs to do good works. What would life be without acts of charity? From Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. Deciding to go after holiness is not a one and done kind of choice. We're human and we make mistakes. We have free will and we suffer from the effects of sin. This means that even when we choose union with God as our ultimate goal, we have to choose him again and again in our daily lives. Ultimately, choosing holiness is making a commitment to our relationship with God. When we build good habits of choosing things like compassion and helpfulness, it will help us to react well to whatever life throws at us. God also tells us how we can proactively seek out happiness. 
In giving us the eight Beatitudes, Jesus shows us actions that help us to give of ourselves, therefore opening us to a lasting kind of joy. They are as follows from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 10. Try reading this through twice. The second time, replace blessed with happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Each of these Beatitudes calls us to go outside of ourselves to serve others. This kind of initiative to help others was what made Pierre Giorgio Frassati's life so full and so attractive to those around him. His love for God and the Eucharist overflowed into service to others, both his friends and the poor he encountered. His pure heart helped him to see all people as his equals. The passionate love for Christ that Therese channeled into her writing and her acts of daily service overflowed to reach across history, causing a ripple effect that continues today. Being good is not enough. We have to find a way to go out of ourselves and love one another. And when we do, we find the joy of the gospel. Each person's pursuit of these goods will look a little different. We may choose to do something like volunteering at a soup kitchen or food pantry, praying in front of an, of, in front of an abortion clinic, or seeking peace among our friends when drama threatens to cause division. As with the virtues, living the Beatitudes tends to become more natural with practice. The more you try, the easier these actions become. Ultimately, each of these actions tends towards one goal, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. In this, we find the way to God and to the joy we see on the faces of the saints. God entered time to make these same choices himself. In doing so, he made it possible for those choices to matter, for those little actions to help lead us to heaven. He wants us to ask for help with those little things because he knows they make up the fabric of our lives. When we remember to look for God's help in the details of life, we begin to see how much he cares for us. Knowing that we are loved in this way changes the way we see the world. This love soon pervades all that we do, bringing us closer to God and filling our lives with joy. A quote from St. Teresa of Calcutta. Christ says, I know you through and through. I know everything about you. The very hairs of your head I have numbered. Nothing in your life is unimportant to me. I have followed you through the years, and I have always loved you, even in your wanderings. I know every one of your problems. I know your need and your worries, and yes, I know all your sins. But I tell you again that I love you, not for what you have or haven't done. I love you for you for the beauty and dignity my father gave you by creating you in his own image, end quote. Discussion questions. 
One, how does developing a habit help make decision-making simpler? What virtues do you think are the easiest to cultivate? Which ones are the most difficult? Number two, when he declared Pierre Giorgio blessed, Pope St. John Paul II nicknamed him the man of the eight Beatitudes. Why is this a fitting nickname? Number three, how does knowing you are loved by someone affect your relationship with that person? How does it affect your life and other relationships? Closing prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If this episode was helpful for you, please consider sharing it with a friend or two. We would also appreciate it so much if you left a rating and review so that more women can discover Endow and our mission to help women cultivate their unique feminine genius. Please also check out the link below to learn how to become a monthly donor to help defray podcast production costs. And of course, if you'd like to talk to me about joining or starting your own Endow group, please email me at simone.riscala at endowgroups.org. And remember, you are the heart of Endow.